It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, talking all things, writing all things, literally just being that A&M guy that you guys want to hang out with, guys you want to talk to, you know, maybe even Ingram mingle with. So if so, make sure you're following me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. Make sure you're following the site Aggie Maven, which is now partnered with the Locked On Podcast Network. That's where you can find all the episodes of Locked On Aggies. That's S-I-T-A-M-U. Aggie Maven is now a part of Sports Illustrated. So the two are intertwined together, and we're going to try and give you the best content as possible. And so far, I think we're doing a pretty good job at it. Tuesday show, everyone knows what we like to do here on Tuesdays. We like to go back and listen to the press conferences from Coach Fisher. We like to listen to what the players had to think about. And this past week, the team had to go up against another top-ranked opponent in the Alabama Crimson Tide. Some people thought I was pulling for Alabama because of I went to college there. I want a good game. And you know what? I leave Kyle Field knowing it's a good game. That is what I think everyone, both AM fans and both Alabama fans, can walk away with. It was a good game. The score is going to say otherwise because 47 to 28 does not make it look close because Alabama did beat the spread. But you're not going to find a team through the first six games of the season who played Alabama harder. AM easily gave Alabama a run for their money and even probably some scares at times. Definitely think on offense, they made a lot of good plays. They did a lot of good things. They did a lot of things that you can build off of. And I think Coach Fisher said it best. There's some plays where they just weren't able to go down and execute. But overall, you can't be disappointed with it when you have a team like Alabama who's averaging 51 points a game. And if you can't score consistently like them... You're not going to. So here was Coach Fisher's opening press conference, what his thoughts were on the offense. You know, uh, I thought uh, offensively, began, thought we came out very strong, thought we started very fast, did a great job, had a 17-play drive, scored two out of the first three drives, did a nice job. I thought we had good balance. Uh, thought we ran the ball better. I thought the offensive line played better in this game. Thought uh, had some substantial runs and things they did, and even a couple pulls that Kellen had late that he scrambled were really could have been really good runs the other way. So, I mean, I thought they were, I think they improved very, you know, well over the over the break got some continuity uh pass block decently well in the game got some sacks at the end but a couple of those are you know when you get having to throw as much as we did but i thought that we know that from that standpoint thought uh anything we had the three and out and then they had that critical fumble there and then uh, of course had a great two minute before the half i thought the drive a two minute before the half was very critical going down and getting points uh i guess two weeks in a row we've gotten gotten that did that come out and then uh got a three and out we missed a missed one throw and then kind of Dutch down drive and got back. And then we got that critical penalty on that drive. We were going into fourth quarter. You're down two scores. And you got the ball and you're moving. You had a critical first down. Uh, did a nice job. Then we got that. And they scored. And then got it out. And then we uh, uh, they got the block punt. And then we come back and scored again. But moved the ball well. Thought we did what we did. A lot of the things in it. Not a lot of missed assignments. Not You missed a throw. Maybe a drop a play you could have made. Got beat on a block. Got physically got beat or by my technique, but not from assignments. Communication was well. Things were well. Guys were hats on the right place, making the right calls, doing the right things from that standpoint. I thought we improved greatly. But, you know, against them, a team like Alabama, who's scoring at the rate they're scoring at, 
you you know, there's no laps for anything. You got to make plays, and I got good players. And so here are my thoughts on his thoughts overall. First off, the part that really impressed me the most was how A and M when they were in the two minute offense. We haven't seen them do that type of two minute offense before all season. And if they can continue to do those kind of things, even if settling for Seth's small field goals, it's a positive in the right direction. Because what's happening is they're going out and they're going to get points on the board. And when you chip away at a lead, especially against top 10 opponents, eventually even one minor mistake could be the difference between you losing and you making a comeback. So when you look at those things and you see the way they played on that two-minute offense, it's a definite positive stepping stone in the right direction because what's happening is you saw what they were trying to correct overall, and they did that during the bye week. Those are things that when you look at, you are just you have to be proud of. You have to say, okay, we're heading in a direction that we can all, I think, agree is kind of... A better path than what we were on already. Another thing that I really thought he hit on very well that does make a lot of sense to me personally is they just got outbeat at times. You look at the way the offensive line is played, they looked pretty decent for a team that we've seen struggle all season, finding consistency in stopping the pass rush up the middle. They looked consistent. They didn't lose because of they missed an assignment or someone was supposed to be blocking down on the double team against the nose tackle or someone like Raekwon Davis. They just got overpowered. That just happens sometimes. Sometimes you can be just the weaker of the two opponents. That doesn't mean you're a bad team. All that means is that you were not expected to win. And even if you were expected to win, they still competed. There just was a couple plays where Mond was not able to connect with his receivers, not because his receivers and him were not in the same, you know, format, but because coverage was great from Patrick Sertain and Trayvon Diggs. When that happens, you're not really sitting there complaining about, wow, I can't believe we made this mistake. It's more so just... We need to find a way to get better to compete with a team like Alabama. Because at the end of the day, that's the golden standard. And if we can get to that golden standard, we're going to be just as unstoppable. But at the end of the day, Fisher said it best with the three and outs. You can't have as many three and outs against a team that scores as much as Alabama does. And while AM's offense took a lot of good steps in the right direction, their three and outs because of a lack of a run game and being able to pick up those third and short yards ended up being the difference maker. Like I said at the beginning of the show, 28 points against an Alabama defense is proven taking the right steps in the right direction. This Alabama offense is just deadly and dangerous. And can destroy teams with a snap. So you have to match them. They get a touchdown, you got to get a touchdown. They get a field goal, you have to get a touchdown. You have to find ways to beat them when they score. And the best way to beat them is by scoring 
and relying on your defense to come back, make a stop, and score again. The more you score, the more pressure's on a guy like Tunga Vailoa to go ahead and make that play. And that all relies on the defense making those stops. And we're actually about to talk about what the defense did right and what the defense did wrong here on Locked on Aggies. But first, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast. Now, Cole Thompson back in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, talking all things Texas A&M versus Alabama as they are now preparing to go Try and pick up a win this upcoming week against Ole Miss. But before we talk a little bit about that, let's talk about what Jimbo Fisher's thoughts were on his defense. This was an Alabama team that is averaging 51 points per game. Try stopping that. I mean, seriously. The fact that you were able to hold them to 47, that's a more impressive to me than anything else. But here was Coach Fisher's thoughts on the way his defense played. Uh, got to do a better job. We didn't, you know, they didn't have to punt till the fourth quarter. Uh, they got the ball, some good field position, but still at the same time, we got to do a better job of getting off the field on third down. They hit some critical third and longs, and we didn't tackle in space as well. They, but they got good skill guys. It has a lot to do with the people and the personnel in which they have. Listen, it's hard. Nobody gets those guys on the ground very well out there in those situations. And but we got to keep leveraging the ball, practicing those things, work on the pass rush. Got to get a better deal in the in our pass rush and some th- things we did. Uh, created one turnover. Got the big interception uh, there. We only we it, it, that was a pass between both teams. Had one and one, and uh, in that situation. Uh, but you know we got to get a little bit better and getting off on some of those third down situations. We had some momentum when we were scoring on offense. Could have got a couple stops. Could have been critical. It's like offensively, you know you got to score. Every, you, your object is to score every drive. We scored uh, four of the first eight, ended up being five of the twelve. Had five of the first eleven in that regard but defense got to do a better job that way and then just clean some things up keep on the blitz pressures and we were bringing pressure we we're almost getting there but you got to make sure that coverage stays locked up long enough to that quarterback just have to hold that ball just that split second so you can get that hit listen coach isn't wrong on what he said at all you have to make those tackles you have to be able to make those plays in the open field you can't let receivers run all over you you can't let running backs pick up those short yard situations when you have them wrapped up All those things play a factor into it. But Alabama's wide receiving core is so dangerous that you saw their best receiver not score a touchdown. Jerry Judy is, in my opinion, the best receiver in college football overall this year. And when we're looking at it plain, just based off production over the years, But more importantly, at the same time, when you're just looking at what he's going to bring to an NFL roster, yeah, he's the best college football wide receiver. And he wasn't last year because he was the Fred Bolitnikoff award winner. So we know how good Jerry Judy is. And he didn't score a touchdown. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he finished with a great game. Four catches, 50 yards, but no touchdown. When you don't get a touchdown against those guys, but you still score four times, That just shows how dangerous every other receiver was. Devonta Smith was ejected from the game, so that kind of helped out a little bit. But at the same time, they had a running back in Najee Harris who had 19 19 receiving yards and a touchdown on a 16-yard play. Henry Ruggs touched the ball one time. He had one catch. And it was a big one. It was a 33-yard touchdown. Jalen Waddell, guy who probably should have gone to Texas A&M. Houston product. 
right here in the Lone Star State, goes to Alabama. He's playing pretty much the fourth option for the Crimson Tide. He has 15 receptions on the year. That was his first touchdown. But he had three receptions in that game, 48 yards, one, of course, being the 31-yard touchdown. They were dangerous. They were a team that when you looked at on paper and when you saw the film, you knew they were going to come out and they were going to make you pay. So yeah, unfortunately, when you don't make those plays in the open field and you allow receivers or you allow running backs to walk all over you and not really walk all over you, I guess is the word I'm looking for. I guess it's more so you let them consistently pick up plays, especially when your offense makes a really good drive and they're able to put points on the board, and they're asking you to make a stop, that's the problem, in my opinion. That was the one thing that when you look at AM in this game, that was the biggest problem, was the offense was doing everything in their power to get drives going, get something to work. I mean, they put a touchdown up in the first drive, they got a field goal in their third drive, then they had a punt again, then they, got, uh, then they unfortunately fumbled. That was another terrible, terrible play. From Isaiah Spiller. But what are you going to do on that? They were able to go up. And they were able to go get that field goal right before the end of the half. I mean, all those things that you look at, you know, they have good drives. But touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. They didn't punt until the fourth quarter. When your punter's not coming out until the fourth quarter, that's a serious problem. So that plays a part into AM losing this game. Because it didn't really matter what the offense was going to do. The offense could have put up, you know, they could have put up 38 points. They could have put up 41 points. But because of the defense allowing Tanga Vailoa to continue to score, end up being the def- difference maker. It really did. So now AM is going to sit at 3-3 three and three to start the year. They have a chance to finish 9-3 and three. if they win out. They're going to have to beat, of course, Georgia and LSU, which are the two big, big games left on their season. You can maybe throw South Carolina in the way that they've looked. But one thing that we noticed about AM last year was they struggled at the beginning as well. And then at the very end of the season, they turned it around. And this is kind of the same team. They lost a few players overall, more so on defense, but offensively, this is still the same unit that was able to really thrive down the stretch. Put up 72 points against LSU in a seven-overtime game. So here was Coach Fisher's thoughts on what he's seen from this team and how nothing's really changed. They're just finally in a rhythm. We just got better at what we did and understood the scheme and guys being in the system. And, you know, and like this year, we played some really good football teams too. We played some really good teams on that side. And I, but we're, like I say, we, we got a pretty good football team too. You see in spurts in which we play. We got to play more consistent. We get more experience. But and you get comfortable and you guys know it and know their roles. And there's a lot of young guys in roles right now that are really growing and that I think are getting better. And I think as you practice during the season, you get better. You should get better. You don't you don't practice to endure. The way we practice, we should be getting better each week. And that's what, you know, that's what happened last year as we continued to go. We won some really tight games and learned to get over those humps. And that pretty much sums it up. I mean, this is an A&M team that is good. But you play three top ten teams within a six-week span, you're going to at least probably lose one of them. Unless you are the number one team in that sense. 
Now they're playing against probably weaker opponents when you put them up in pound for pound with uh, with the SEC. So with that in mind, now is the time where we're going to see if A&M really is a good team or if they're a team that was always overhyped. You can lose to a Clemson team that has a chance to go to the college football playoff. A Auburn team that, if by some miracle, represents the SEC West in Atlanta in December. And an Alabama team that's going to probably go to the college football playoff, depending on what happens to them against now number two LSU. All of those can happen, and you can sit here and justifiably say, yeah, totally makes sense that they lost those games. But you can't do that against the opponent that's coming up in Ole Miss. You can't do that against an opponent in UTSA. And you certainly can't do that in a struggling Mississippi State. And we're about to talk about Ole Miss and what Coach Fisher and what the players can expect moving forward. But here's a quick word from our sponsors, Locked On Aggies, from the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in the driver's seat. We've been talking about what went wrong and maybe what Coach Fisher thought was good against Alabama, but that's in the past. Time to move forward, and let's talk a little bit about what to expect this upcoming week as the Aggies travel for the first time in the SEC season to face off against the Ole Miss Rebels at Bot Hemingway Stadium. That game will be featured at 6 p.m. this Saturday night. Here was Coach Fisher's thoughts on the Ole Miss Rebels, who recently fell to a now-ranked Missouri team. And now feature two quarterbacks in John Reese Plumley and Matt Coral taking snaps at quarterback and how to approach both quarterbacks come Saturday evening. One can really throw it and run well, and the other one can really, really run. I mean, he's fast. I mean, he's, you know, 4-4-4-5 fast. I mean, really fast, and they're doing a good job of just putting together what they have to do, young backs, and they can throw it and keep you spread and go no huddle. They're, but they're dynamic players. They say they hit a couple big runs in that game against Missouri last week. I know that the quarterback came in and did a really nice job. Ole Miss still has not had a bye week. They're coming in at 3-4, and four, but Coach Fisher spoke pretty much what we're going to talk about right now, and that is – they're now a dynamic offense. They're going to be able to play two different types of styles of offense, and they're going to be able to confuse this AM defense. Matt Coral, who was out with a shoulder injury, he missed two weeks. Well, now they use his backup, John Reese Plumley, who has found success, especially as a runner. And that's the guy who Fisher was talking about being a 4 4 runner. He led the team against Missouri with 143 rushing yards, and he scored a 40 yard touchdown run. Coral is more the passer. Uh, he went 10 for 16 for 133 yards. Plumley though, threw both touchdown passes in that game. So you have a dual threat quarterback now under the direction of Rich Rodriguez, who has found success with dual threat guys in the past. It's not shocking. So when you look at what he's going to be able to do with a guy like Plumley, it's definitely a huge feather in his cap. And Coral's got a good arm. This is definitely a team that... If you slip up early, especially on defense, you're going to put as much pressure as you did in the past on your offense to score when really they should just be able to go down there and put up points. I mean, when you look at what Missouri's offense was able to do to, especially in the air, 329 passing yards with Kelly Bryant, the only problem was is that they didn't find the end zone through the air. They found it all on the ground pretty much. One touchdown for pass for Kelly Bryant. Three came on the ground. Um, one came, uh, one two came by Larry Runette the third. 
One came by Dawson Downing. So you're going to have to rely on the running game, I guess. But they gave up over 500 total yards of defense. Just score. Find a way to score. And find a way to make Matt Coral throw. And not run the ball. Because as long as these two running these two running quarterbacks don't run, you have a good shot. I will say I do find it funny that Coach Fisher did mention something that most offenses are hopefully looking at. And that's the fact that sometimes you'll think for a second that one quarterback is that running dual threat guy, that guy who's going to use his legs, and then he'll throw a bomb. And the guy that you think actually has the arm, he's the one who's going to be running on the ground. And he actually brought that up, especially with Rich Rodriguez, a guy who's known for working with quarterbacks in the past, especially at Michigan and at Arizona, and what he thinks could be a major downfall for this A&M defense. Well, I mean, one, they rotate quarterbacks, uh, which does that, which, you know, you, you got to be careful because you think one runs, one throws, and all of a sudden they twitch it up on you, you know, and you know that part of it. But, I mean, it, it's still counters, it's powers, it's stretches. It's still the same kind of run, zone reads, and it, it's still the same – uh, they're doing it in no huddle. They'll do it from a lot more spread looks and what they're doing, but they just do it and do it well, and uh, that's that's their that's their identity. Before we get out of here, Coach Fisher mentioned one last thing in the press conference today that really makes a lot of sense when it comes to preparing for these teams. Alabama throws to run the ball. They want to be a more run team, probably overall. Get that clock rolling down and not rely so heavily on that pass to work. But unfortunately, the pass is what's getting them into the end zone more. It's what's getting them these 50-point games. Ole Miss is a team that runs it to pass it. They're going to try and tire you out on the ground to then make your secondary work twice as hard over the top against their receivers and make plays. And that's exactly what he spoke about today. So when you prepare for a team like Ole Miss... You still have to prepare the exact same way you prepared for Alabama. Because they're gonna what they're gonna do is they're gonna try and get you to slip up. And that's their whole identity. Is if they can get you to slip one time, one play is all it takes. And a guy like uh, Diabony Renfro or Miles Jones in coverage, one of them could blow a play because they think it's gonna be a run, especially from one of the quarterbacks who is known for running. And it's a wide-open shot, vertical pass down the sideline. 50, 60-yard score. And that could be the end. That could be the difference maker. Hopefully, the more we look at the storylines, the more we look at the players to watch for, the more we dive in this week to AM versus Ole Miss coverage, we'll be able to get a better picture of how this team is preparing, what ways they can find ways to win, what ways, if they blow it, they're going to lose this game. There's a bunch of different things we can talk about. This was a really good press conference. This is one of the better ones I think that Coach has done all year because if he's open with his team, and most importantly, he knows that fans want this team to win. But when you play good teams, sometimes you're going to lose. That's just part of the game. And overall, you can't win every game. But... When you're favored in a game like this, you have to win. But you have to prepare properly because of a simple mistake could be the end and the difference maker between going 3-4 and four to start the year or going 4-3 and three to start the year. Being 500, to me personally, is like setting reset. It's a chance for you to go either 
in the positive direction or head back south. And if you continue to head south, there are going to be massive problems moving forward for this team. But that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you're following me on social media. I love chatting with you guys. I love getting more feedback about the show. I love getting more feedback about what's going on. I'm at Mr. Cole Thompson. Make sure you subscribe to Aggie Maven. It's just si.com slash T-A-M-U. We have a ton of awesome content, including every single episode of Locked On Aggies right there. You All you got to do is hit the Asking Aggies uh, sidebar. That's all you gotta do to join. And you can also follow us on social media at Aggies SI and at Locked On Aggies. This is Cole Thompson with Locked On Aggies. We'll be back same time tomorrow talking about the top storylines surrounding both Texas A&M and the Ole Miss Rebels. Dig them, y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.